food up on my finger, sipping eggnog with a little sprinkle of vanilla. Even though it's kind of cold, I'm pulling out a chinchilla. Beaver hit me back and said, let's make it hot up in the winter. I said, cool. cool. You know I'm a deliver. Let's collaborate and make the holiday a little bigger. Before we work, I got to get this off. See the other family members and drop gifts off. Then I'm headed to the studio because ain't nothing stopping. How you know we about to turn it up and really get it popping now? People everywhere and all our Twitter followers. Merry Christmas, Kwanzaa, Happy Hanukkah. All right, well, good morning and happy 2nd of December to everybody. It is good to have you with us here at Shine Church. Uh, if you are new with us this weekend, extra special welcome to you. Thank you for choosing to spend uh, your Sunday morning or a portion of it with us. We're delighted that you're here. And we just believe God has something really cool that he wants to do in your life and show you his love in a special way. And so we hope that you'll just open your heart and receive what he has for you. Um, after the service, if you don't mind coming through those doors, immediately to the right is what we call our hub. And we have actually a free gift we would love to get in your hands if you're new with us this weekend. So come see us for that. It's actually like a real gift. It's not like, you know, like, oh, pastors say it's a real gift. But really, it's a, you know, 10-year membership to a small group or something. It's... <laughs> It's not that. It's actually like a real gift that you can use like today. Um, but yeah, we'll get you first in line on our coffee and chai bar. But we just want you to know how much we appreciate you being here. Next, uh, for the question everyone is asking, when are your Christmas service, Eve service times? Wow. I was expecting you to be like, no, we're not asking that. It's like December 2nd. You know, I was going to preemptively, but I guess you are asking that question. Okay. So the times are 1, 3, and 5 on Christmas Eve. We are not going to be having services that weekend. So Saturday and Sunday, no services. Spend that time with your families, or if there's some other church that you want to go see their program, whatever, feel free to do that. But we're going to gather together as a church family and celebrate 1, 3, and 5. We've got some little cards with those times right out in the foyer. You can grab one on your way out if you want to remember that, but a great opportunity to just invite people that need to hear some of the joy and the hope that are bound up in Christmas time. So um, a couple other things going on. Right after service uh, today, we have our family cookie decorating time right out in the coffee bar area. So if you've got kiddos or kiddos of all ages, it's okay, but um, we're going to have that decorating time. Hope you enjoy that. Also, next weekend, Saturday night after the service, we actually are having a family Christmas movie night with pizza and popcorn and fun times. So that's going to be next Saturday. Make plans to attend that. Also, you might have seen a few presents outside under the tree in our coffee bar. Those are our angel tree presents. And by the way, give Jesus a big hand because all of our angels were taken. And that represents boys and girls who are going to receive a present from their incarcerated mom or dad on behalf of them and God using you as the vessel. So we're super excited about that. But if you have a, a tag, if you've taken one of those tags, make sure to bring that in by next Sunday at the very latest. And you can just put it right under that tree. And that way we'll be able to have those to prepare for the distribution of those gifts to the boys and girls that they go to. Um, hey, we want to take a moment in our service and ask God's blessing on our giving. Um, as you know, the gospel is free, but... Um, God's kingdom on earth sometimes requires money, and we're thankful to God as our provider. He's the one that fuels and sources everything that we do, and so our confidence and our trust is completely in him, but we thank him that he gets to use each one of us as we bring our tithes and our offerings and the best of what we have to bless and honor and worship him, and so we want to pray uh, his blessing on that. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? It's getting worse. Oh, can you hear me? Am I getting a phone call? No. It's my wife texting me saying, you're going too long with the verbals. No. 
Okay, I'm going to put this down for a second and pray really loud. And Oh, there we go. Never mind. It's fixed. Okay, let's take a moment to pray together. Father, we love you, and we thank you so much that we get together together as a family and celebrate just the coming of your son, a baby born, to take away our sin, to bring us life and joy. And God, it is just our delight and our honor to be able to gather together and celebrate you. Lord, I pray that every heart here will be filled with your joy filled with the certainty of your love, filled with just a fresh understanding today of your incredible favor and love toward us. God, we pray that as we give back to you our tithes and offerings, that you would bless it, you would multiply it. God, I pray that you would work such cheerfulness and joy in our hearts as we give to you because, God, we trust you to meet every need we have. God, I pray for if there are people here today that are struggling financially, maybe people that have lost a job or just that don't know how Christmas is going to work this year. First of all, I pray for your supernatural peace in every heart. I pray for miraculous provision. I pray, Father, for understanding and wisdom on ways that you can provide for our needs that we haven't even thought of. Lord, bless your people because you're a good father and you're a good provider. We love you. We honor you. We bless you. Thank you for the word you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I want you guys to help me welcome a special speaker this morning. God has a treat in store for you, as you heard Pastors Dan and Kim are on their anniversary getaway in Mexico. And so we have a special treat to have our very own Pastor Rob Painter. Help me welcome him this morning with the Word of God. Is that on now? There we are. Sorry about that. Hey, good morning. How are you guys doing? It's good to be with you, and thank you so much for being here and uh, welcoming. Uh, we welcome all the guests and everything. And I want you to know uh, I have been given the opportunity to hand out a few awards this morning for the, for the ugliest sweaters. Uh, I've been given full authority from the board of directors to see fit as I am. And uh, I want you to know I am wearing another shirt underneath this, too. So, uh, just so you know, I wasn't... It, this is the sweater I do, and I have underpants that match. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Kidding, kidding. I get excited about Christmas, man. Whew. But I do have a few uh, gifts to give away. Now, this was a hard competition because there were so many cool uh, sweaters. So we have a couple of runners-up. And uh, the first runners-up that I want to hand out is to Miss Kathy Kuntz right there. Come on up, Kathy. Please come up. Look how beautiful her sweater is. Mother Christmas. Yes, yeah, sister. Thank you. You look lovely. You See, technically, it's not an ugly sweater. That was beautiful. But we, I just said, man, I got, we got to give her a present, I'm telling you. The second runner-up goes to none other than Ella. Ella Johan. There she is! Sweetie, look at her sweater. Look at that. Well done, sweetie. You, look at that. Isn't that awesome? That's probably the greatest sweater I've seen in 16 or 17 months. Easy. And now, <laughs> now to the grand winner. This was a tough one. There's some of you guys out there that are going to be mad at me for doing this because you thought you won. But I want to hand this out to none other than where is he? Bruce Workman. Where is he? There he is. Look at this man. Stand up. Look at, look at him. Stand up, buddy. Please. Look at that. 
That is the ugliest. I had to stick to the rules. That is an ugly, ugly sweater. And did you say it actually talks or does noise or something? It sings. Can you have it sing? Turn around, please, and have us watch this little whatever it is sing. <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> okay, that, that is worth a $25 gift card to Starbucks. Well done, Bruce. Thank you, sir. You win. Hands down. Wow, that's so fun. Well, hey, I get uh, the opportunity today to uh, open up a new series uh, that we're going to have through the month of December, and we're calling it Christmas Together. And uh, there's going to be a lot, of, a lot of good stuff that we're going to share uh, throughout the month of December. And as DJ said, Christmas Eve, we're going to have three services here, and we're going to sort of unpackage the story of Christmas from the book of Luke in a way that I think will really, really uh, be cool for, for all of us. So we're going to get to that. But I, I want to talk to you today about two, two things that came to my mind when I, was, when I was thinking about this and praying about it, and that is Christmas together with God and why that is even possible through Jesus, and I want to share a little bit about that. That's the first point. And the second point that I'm going to talk about is how we can then share Christmas together and what that means. And I want to look at some scriptures. I tell you, it's funny. I, uh, I don't get to speak as much as, as I would. Well, I don't want to say it that way. I don't get to speak maybe as much as um, I used to in the past or whatever. So bear with me. I'm learning. I'm getting better at speaking. But one of the things that, that happened to me last night, man, I couldn't sleep. I woke up at like midnight and and I was almost like tormented. I, I ended up changing my whole sermon on a way. And I'm like, man, what are you doing, Lord? And I think what God wants to do is just whatever he wants to do, man. I can have a polished thing, right? Isn't that right? And I, I, uh, I, I just felt, man, I just got to let God do what he's going to do. So part of what I want to share today is going to be a little bit more of my story, too. I'm going to weave that into to the Christmas season. Hopefully that will speak to you. But don't you agree with me that... Um, Christmas is an amazing season. It can be an amazing season. Uh, it, the, for some people, it's a very uh, difficult season, right? Um, it's a season where there's a lot of uh, loneliness, sadness, depression. If people are by themselves or whatever, uh, sometimes it even reflects back to some bad things that happened in our past uh, that happened around, around people that maybe, uh, you know, they, they were a part of your, your past and your memories. And... and uh, for others, it's not that way, but here's, here's what I want to say about that. We can't change our past, right? We can't change it, but we can certainly change our reaction to it. And I believe through the power of God and through his word and knowing who we are in him, we can have a balanced, I call it a balanced perspective of the holidays. Because I don't know about you, but I, my, my mom was a, she was pretty radical with her Christmas decorations, and I, and I love that. And, uh, but then there's some people that they don't even get into that. They're more heavily on the spiritual side. You know what I'm talking about? They won't even buy a Christmas tree because they're so against whatever, a pagan. Is it pagan? Isn't it pagan? Isn't that what it came from? That, I, I don't even know. I should, do, I should have done my homework a little better. But the Christmas tree and all that stuff, some people get so uptight about that, they won't even celebrate that, man. And then there's the other ones that, like I grew up, I, I grew up in a very high traditional family, that, but I didn't know Jesus. I had no idea. I mean, I knew who he was. I, I knew he was real, but, man, I didn't know the power of walking in relationship with him and what that meant as a little boy. And uh, it's really interesting because the other day I had an opportunity to sit down with my uh, my 17-year-old daughter, Rachel, uh, and uh, 
I think I had shared some of my story with her before, but this time was just a sweet time. It was just her and I. I built a fire and uh, got her a little blanket, you know, and made her some tea, and we're just sitting there talking. And I was able to share some of my story because growing up, I didn't know Jesus. Some of you probably relate to that. I, did, I believed in God, but, man, I had no relationship. was doing a lot of things that were not uh, very functionally good for, for a person and uh, got involved with a lot of stuff like that. So there's that side of things with people that, that grew up like that and didn't know Jesus. And then they're the ones that maybe, maybe you grew up knowing all that stuff, and uh, we have a tendency, if you know too much of that and you rest too much on that side, it's easy to start to judge, right, all the commercialism and all the, it's not about Santa Claus, you know, and all that stuff. My hope is as I share some of these things today, we can have a balanced view of that, amen, a, a, a view that if we know who we are in Christ, and if you don't know Jesus, that's okay. I didn't either for a long time. And I was, uh, I was as lost as an Easter egg, they say. Did you ever hear that one? That's pretty lost. I couldn't even find myself. I hid myself three times. No, uh, couldn't find myself. But I was very lost. But here's the thing I want to say. Throughout Scripture, it starts in Genesis. It goes all the way through the book of Revelation. You know what the message is, man? God loves you. And from the very beginning... When Jesus was in the heart of the Father, God said in chapter 1 of Genesis, verse 3, you know what he says? Let there be, do you remember? And all of a sudden, I realized, as I was preparing for this, you know, God is referred to as light in Scripture. So literally, what he was saying from the beginning, let there be me in every part of the universe. And the message about me is I am love, and I, am, I want people to know it. As a matter of fact, there, did you know that in the Garden of Eden, you can look at, the, I think it's in chapter 2 of Genesis, it describes that there were four, uh, I almost went four, I don't know how to count. got to get my thumb in there. Four uh, rivers that came out of Eden. Four is a very significant number in Scripture. You'll find it. I was just talking with my friends Melody and, and uh, Andy about this this morning. Four is an amazing number, but it, from what I know, it's symbolic of creation and of the world. So, so from the beginning, this is what I'm trying to say here. I think God had in his heart Christmas. He had, he had in his heart celebrating his love with us, and he wanted to export that from the Garden of Eden. That's the symbolic part. The cool thing is, all the way then in, Gen in Revelation chapter 22, I want to show you, I'm going to read this to you. He, uh, God, God shows us that those four rivers come together into one. So a lot of things you see in Genesis, I would say, would be in the form of a seed that's planted. And in the book of Revelation, it actually has its fruition. It comes to be, if that makes sense. And so I'm going to read this to you from chapter 22. And pardon my glasses, I'm not trying to look like Bono. I know a lot of people think I'm... I tried to get glasses that were tinted because my eyes are sensitive to the sun. And man, it, it, it's screwed up. It's all kind of blurry, but it works. It works. I have the progressive things going. So here it is in verse 20, chapter 22, verse 1. So I'm just reminding you, from Genesis, right, the message of God's love is broadcast, wanted to be exported out through the universe, and it finds its form here. In 22, verse 1, I'm going to pick up. Then he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street, on either side of the river, was the tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healings of the nations. 
there will no longer be any curse. Amen to that. Man. And the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his bondservants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. That is the the fruition of God's, what was in God's heart in Genesis, right? And wanted to export it, and it came, comes all the way through Revelation. But we understand Adam fell, right? Adam and Eve chose to try to do things on their own, whatever you want to call it. I don't believe they ate an apple. It doesn't refer to it as an apple. Um, it was fruit of some kind. And I think Hollywood has made that into some religious thing. But here's the fact that I know from Scripture. They literally thought, I can get my life outside of God. And God said, the moment you do that, I'm life. I'm everything. You're going to die. And they died spiritually, and we know that. And so the rest, of, the rest of the Bible is about God fixing that problem in many ways. It's more than that. And it's not just about us receiving him as our personal Lord and Savior. I used to think it that way. But you know what I'm realizing the older I get? It's more about me bowing on my knees and saying, you're the, you're the king of kings, and I'm, I'm going to come into your life. You're the one who gave me your life. And so I can come into your life, man. It's about God coming to us, not us going and saying, hey, I got God, I'll fit you into my personal life sometime. You know, it's not that way. And I get emotional about it. I'm sorry because I get excited because what God did in my life, and I'm sure some of you relate to this, is he absolutely transformed my life. That's the message of gospel. That's the message of, 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 of Christmas. If we understand what Jesus did, and what he's about, not only can we celebrate it with him in a powerful way, but we can celebrate with each other and understand, man, he wants that message to keep going out, right? From us to every part of the world. And I believe that with all my heart. So we're going to look at two main points, Christmas with God, how Jesus makes that possible, and Christmas with each other and those around us. And I'm going to try to do this in, the, in three minutes. That's all, that's all the time I have today. I have to Catch a flight to Albuquerque. No, I'm just kidding. Hang on, I got to get my timer going here. All right. Why do I always say Albuquerque? I love Albuquerque. Albuquerque is beautiful, isn't it? You guys love Albuquerque? I do. All right. Christmas with God. He wants us to celebrate his love. God had this in mind before the foundation of the world. There is another scripture. I talked about this river. This is in Psalm 46, and it's another reference to we see these rivers of truth through scripture. Here's another one that I'll, I'll read to you. Uh, Psalm 46, 4 says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. This truth of Christmas was in God's heart from the very beginning, and he wanted to export it out to the entire world so that we can celebrate with him true life. Now, when we understand what Jesus has done for us, we can truly celebrate that with him personally, right? And then we can celebrate it with one another. So this first point, together with God, I want to share that a little bit. Jesus makes this possible. And I want to read you a scripture from Romans 1, excuse me, Romans chapter 5, verse 1. You can turn there if you have your Bibles. Uh, and it's, it's good. I'm just going to highlight this. And I'm going to read it first in the New American Standard. And then I got a little clip that I'm going to read to you, a little piece that's in the Amplified Version. So the first part of this is this. Verse 1, Romans 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, though through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand and we exalt 
in the hope of the glory of God. Now that is awesome news. Isn't that, isn't that right? That's what Jesus has done. He's brought us peace. And the rest of chapter 5, by the way, uh, you can read it yourself. I encourage you. But Paul essentially says, here's what Adam did, but so much more. This is what Jesus did. And read it. And, and read it slow. Ask God to show you that because it is so powerful. We, sometimes we just get stuck thinking, man, we're still like Adam. No, we're not. We're absolutely changed if we believed in, in Jesus and he comes in and gives us his life. We're no longer the same. Now, this is that same scripture in the Amplified, so I got to yell it. Therefore, no, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I used to think that's what Amplified meant. It's got to, therefore, therefore, since we have been justified that is acquitted of sin. Now listen to the words here. Declared blameless before God. Whew, man. Therefore, since we've been justified, that is acquitted of sin, declared blameless before God. And by the way, that doesn't ma- that doesn't uh, that includes if you sinned 5 minutes ago like I probably did. And you probably did. Blameless because of Jesus. It's important to remember this because otherwise we look at it and we feel the shame of what we did last night or two weeks ago. Or what about this failure? What about that failure? And God sees us as blameless because of Jesus. It takes faith to believe that. And that changes our perspective. Declared blameless before God by faith. Let us grasp the fact that we have peace with God and the joy of reconciliation with him through our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Through him, we also have access by faith into this remarkable state of grace in which we firmly and safely and securely stand. Man, isn't that good? That's what Christmas is about. We can stand in who we are in Christ. And if you don't know Jesus, that's all right. Begin to ask God those questions. I I remember, well, let me finish this. Let me finish this last part. Let us rejoice in our hope and the confident assurance of experiencing and enjoying the glory of our great God, the manifestations of his excellence and his power. Man. So let me explain what that, what that meant to me. Growing up, I, I, I did not know Jesus, but when I, when I came to about the age of 19, I was somewhat burned out with life. Most people go to college. Most of you probably relate to this. And that's your time to sow the wild seeds, right? You're away from home. Well, I had started doing that when I was about 10. And so I got pretty screwed up mentally and everything, and I was very depressed. So I was looking for something. Well, one night, I, uh, I studied landscape architecture, and I managed to, uh, to get a degree in that. <laughs> I still have that degree. I didn't lose it. And uh, <laughs> still like to design things. And, uh, but, man, I was coming out of this art class, uh, and it went from 6 o'clock to 9 o'clock at night. And this is how God got a hold of me, because I was saying, God, if you're real, let me know who you are, because I don't see you, I don't feel you, my life's a mess. But I prayed. So I come out of my art class, and uh, I heard some of the most beautiful music I've ever heard in my life. I mean, I, I love music, and some of you guys who know me, I love it. So I just sit there, I'm like, where in the heck is that coming from? So it led me to go, this is in the University of Tucson in Arizona, and if you're familiar with that, there's a big mall in the middle of the university, and that's where concerts are, and there's a big grass area, and people would lay out in, in the sun studying, whatever. Well, this is at night, but I heard this music, so I'm walking, and all of a sudden I get up there, and there's like 15 chairs set up. It's kind of dusty, 
And this guy was singing this song, but right when I got up there, he caught a, a mouthful of dust and started hacking and gagging. <laughs> so it's all, just imagine this kind of, yes, yes, <laughs> like that. So I'm going, man, what the heck? The, the, the beautiful music stopped, but here's what happened. Right when I'm sitting there going, why the heck did I come up here? I'm just going to go back to my dorm. I get, this guy puts his hand on my shoulder. He goes, hey, man, my name's Eric. What, what are you doing? And I started telling him about my life. And who, you know who he was? He was a campus minister. And he began to uh, be my friend and uh, told, tell me about Jesus. And I'd read the Bible, and I'd fall asleep with him in front of me. <laughs> Sorry, Eric, I don't get it, man. It doesn't make sense. And he would laugh. And he introduced me to some of his other friends. But here's my point. God knew that. God knew where I was. He knew, and he loved me, and he wasn't sitting there going, yeah, but you sinned, Rob. See, I was still involved with drugs, and I was still doing a lot of bad things that some of you know what you've done bad. That was my bad stuff, and I was addicted to some things, and I wasn't happy. I, I, I was not happy at all. I was depressed, but I would cry out to God, and I, and I knew that he was real, but I, I want you to see sometimes we pray and we ask God these questions, and it's in his timing. Little by little, he'll begin to show you who he is. And one day, when I was 19, that's when I finally met Jesus. And here's what I mean by that. I literally uh, felt his presence in my life, and that's when I said, God, I, I give you my life. I want to I wanna know you. Now, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't have a prayer. I didn't pray some prayer. I just said, God, I'm, I love you. And here's what I know. It's his kindness that leads us to want to change it's not his wrath. <laughs> it's not scripture. It's his kindness that leads us to repent. So I'm sitting there just in love with Jesus for several hours, and I didn't know what I was doing. I get baptized in water the next day because I was so excited. I just ran and got baptized in a horse trough, kind of the horse troughs that we use, but it wasn't warm water. We put these little heaters in there and warm it up. This was freezing water. It was December 1985, and I didn't care. <laughs> I didn't care, man. Oh, man, it brings back good memories. I told you I get emotional about it because God was so good. God, he was good. And we have access. I have access. You have access by faith to that kind of God that loves us, and he's not mad at us. That's what Christmas is about. That's what it's all about. Well, that was when I was 19. Uh, I began to serve in a church uh, that was 1985 and get involved with all that. And when I graduated, I uh, went right into full-time ministry, which was basically being a campus minister. So I had to raise support to do that, and I failed miserably at raising support. Uh, I wasn't very good at it. So I had to work a part-time job and struggle and do all that kind of stuff. But God was in it. God blessed it. God was drawing me closer and closer to him. That river from Genesis all the way through was crying out to my name, and I didn't understand it. I didn't even know how to read my Bible, man. It didn't matter. God knew. God knew. So I can celebrate just like you with Jesus because he makes it possible. Romans chapter 6 says something very profound, and I'm going to read you a few verses from that, talking about this new identity, right? We have this peace because of Jesus. And the reason we can have peace is because I want to submit to you. you. You and I, if we've received Christ, you're absolutely changed. You, you have a new identity. And don't ever let the enemy or your neighbor or anybody else say, no, that's, you, you know, that's still, you have, a, you have a, there's a bad part to you. 
No, there, no, in the innermost part of you, in the spirit, there isn't. That's what Scripture says. The bad part is the unsanctified soul, the unsanctified mind and wills and emotions that we, we choose to do all these things. But make no mistake about it. Christ's life in you is perfect and righteous and holy, and he wants us to live from that. Well, Romans chapter 6, let me read you a few verses here. If this don't get your fire burning, your wood's wet, they say in Texas, I guess. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may increase? Paul had just said where sin abounds, guess what? Grace abounds all the more. That's one that got me one day. I thought I could out-sin God, and I'm just going for it, baby. And all of a sudden, God said, what are you, what are you doing? Where sin abounds, I'm, I'm, my grace is going to cover it again, so aren't you tired? Don't you want to just recognize that I'm good, and I forgive you, and I love you, and uh, it, nothing you're going to do is going to change that. And it just broke me, man, because I was trying to struggle with changing something that he had already changed. Does that make sense? I was trying to change something that he had already given me, his life. I was trying to make it better. And that's impossible, by the way, right? You can't make God's life any holier. It's holy, man. It's righteous. It's powerful. Well, Paul says, hey, what shall we say? Were to continue in sin so grace may increase? Well, you could. I did. I did. But one day, God gently said, what are you, why are you doing that? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Now, that one got me as I started reading that. And let me share with you a little bit about that. This is really not referring to water baptism, although we use it for that, and there's nothing wrong with that. What Paul is essentially saying is this. The word baptize in the English, the, the Greek is baptizo, I believe. Isn't that right, Derek? Derek, my friend, he knows better than me. He's smarter. Isn't that right? Baptizo. You know what that word means? To be placed into. That's all it means. So let me read it again. And what we're talking about is when you say, God, I give you my life. I, I want your life. This is what happens that in that moment. It's not something you can improve and work harder at. It's by faith, and you receive it. Um, let me read it to you this way. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized or placed into Christ have been placed into his death? Well, how? How are you and I placed into his death? We're talking spiritually. I refer to this in an, another message about the two sides of the cross. We're talking about what happens on the innermost part of you, the dead part, that Adam and Eve, uh, we, we inherited that. We got that same disease. Does that make sense? We're dead. But the moment we believe... In that good news, that river of love, you and I are placed into Christ. We're placed into his death. Therefore, we've been buried with Jesus through being placed into his death so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, which is a powerful truth. Then this verse, knowing this, verse 6, that our old self, the old, unregenerate, dead you, the sinner, the bad person, the wicked one, that was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with. Not just patted on the back and put in a straitjacket and stuck in the closet somewhere. He's dead. Isn't that right? He's dead. He is dead in order that the body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is free from sin. 
Now, I used to think that meant I got to kill myself every day to be free from sin. I, I misunderstood what God was saying. No, he's saying, man, you're dead. Now consider yourself dead to sin. The rest of Romans 6 says this clearly, but alive to God. That's a different way to think, isn't it? If I start my day and I go, wait a minute, I'm dead to sin. That's a mindset that is going to change my day. But if I wake up and go, now I'm still alive to it because, man, I just had these these, uh, thoughts or temptations or whatever. I don't have time to explain. That's another message. But that is what the Bible calls the power of sin, which is still going to possibly cause you to be tempted. But you are no longer a sinner based on what I read. I'm no longer a sinner. I'm made righteous. All of this to say... That's why we can celebrate Christmas in a way that is profound. And it's not just about Christmas trees, although that's wonderful and lights, and I love all that. It's about I'm a new person in Christ, and I want to share that with somebody else, man. And I want them to see his love. That was from the beginning of time. It was, it was in his heart. He sent it out through every river, and you'll see those rivers in Scripture. If you, if you look at it, you'll see it. It's all there. Now, let me see. Um, can you guys pull up that first slide? The, the one that I made? No, not that one. I sent another one. Janelle, did you get that one? Is it there? Oh, there it is. Thank you. There it is. Now, I did this last night on PowerPoint, so forgive me. I did it about 4 a.m., and it's a little weird. But here's, here's what I want to say. I, I couldn't figure out how to do the arrows, you know? I wanted to try to match that arrow with that arrow, and I couldn't do the below arrow thing. It's so bad. But here's what I want to say. This is what got me for years. So that line is what God says about you. Now think about this. That's what he says about you. Over 7,000 promises, many, many more truths about who you are in Christ. This is who you are. This is who I say you are. That line is what God says. Now, if you look at that arrow, it points up, what about the person who thinks more highly of themselves? What is that? I put a big P there. Pride. That's pretty simple. It says in Romans 12, I believe, don't think more highly of yourself, but think as to so you have sound judgment. And that sound judgment is based on what God says. That gives us sound judgment. Gives you a clear conscience. Well, what about the person below? What about the person that thinks less than themselves? You know what God showed me? I used to, because that was me, and it still is me in a lot of times, and and, and, and I used to think that's humility. You know what? That's not humility. It's pride. Because that person, just like the person above, thinks they know better than what God says. Man, that hit me hard one day. I was like, holy crud. I'm full of pride. I'm not humble. And God was, it's almost like God was laughing like, yeah, son, just, can you just believe what I say about you? It's okay. Just repent of the pride. But I'm walking around, ah, I'm a piece of crap, I'm no good. Man, I got all this stuff. So I said crap from the pulpit, sorry, I should say poop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm this, I'm that. And God clearly and lovingly said, you think you know better than me, and that's pride. <laughs> that's a pretty good little revelation there, isn't it? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. No, that's, that's all from God's Word. And I tell you what, that one got me, though, man. Because I tell you, I still struggle. But when I saw that, that was about 15 years ago that God showed me that, and, and I just was like, dude, I, I want to know what you say about me, not what I think. Because <laughs> we can slip into that, right? 
What about the last thing you did? How about, how about the hatred you have towards the other person in your heart that, that hurt you for years ago, which I'm going to share about a little later? What about all that? Well, that's not who you are. And so I had to, I had to receive that. Well, there's three benefits I want to briefly share uh, about having this knowledge of who we are in Christ. The first one is this. We are in covenant relationship with God. Now, there's, there's scriptures that refer to this in Hebrews 9 and, and 10. I'm not, I don't have time to read that because I'm getting short on time, but I, I encourage you to read it. Um, it's talking about covenant, and covenant is something uh, profound. That Probably one of the best books I've ever read on covenant is by a guy named Malcolm Smith. You guys ever hear of Malcolm Smith? He's a great Bible teacher. There's a book called The Power of the Blood Covenant. If you want to understand covenant, read that book. It will blow your mind because that's what we are now in Christ. And we have a covenant with God, and it's never going to change, and we have covenant with one another. It's absolutely mind-blowing. First benefit, covenant relationship. It's an everlasting covenant. Second uh, benefit is that we are abiding in Christ here and now, and we can bear good fruit, fruit for life. I know I didn't put all these scriptures up. Sorry, you guys got to... I do bad with that. I should have given them the scriptures, and I said, man, just, just uh, don't worry about it. You know, I'll just read them. I'll read them and encourage you to read them. That's all in John 15. Basically, in John 15, he says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me, you will bear fruit. That's a part of the covenant relationship we have, and the fruit comes from the Holy Spirit in you and me, not from us trying harder, because I could try as hard as I can. I can't bear good fruit. The Bible calls that fruit for death. But when it's from the Spirit, it's called fruit for life. And that's eternal life. I had this, uh, a friend of mine showed me this one time. You ever hear that scripture where it says, uh, if you sow to the flesh, you will from the flesh reap what? Corruption is one of the words. You know what that word means? Death. Or essentially decay. It, It won't bring life. Now, we think when I say the word flesh, we think of all the nasty, perverted, murder, sexual sin, all that. It's that, but it's a lot of other stuff, too. Anything that's not of the Holy Spirit is going to be of the flesh. So imagine you and I coming home from a hard day's work. Did you ever do that and you're frustrated? Anyone else been frustrated after a hard day's work? How about setting up your Christmas tree? Sorry, DJ. Sorry, bro. All that stuff, we start to get frustrated and angry, and we try to figure that out in our flesh. All the flesh is, in my thinking, is trying to get your needs met with or without God's help. That's all it is. So it can look really good. It can look really bad. Here's the point. When you sow to that, you reap decay. It won't bring life, but you think it will. But then he says this, if you sow to the Spirit, you'll reap what? Eternal life. And I'm going, what the heck does that mean? That doesn't make sense to me. Here's what I think it means. When you simply ask the Holy Spirit in you what to do, how to love my neighbor, how to love my uncle who abused me. How to, how to love this guy that's really, really bothered me. How to, how to for, love this girl at school. Whatever it is, ask the Lord. You are asking the Spirit in you. And what he's saying is then you will bear or, or you will reap eternal life. You know why? Because the life in you is eternal life. Christ's life is eternal life. And his life comes out of you then. That changes people. There's a big difference there if you're we're led by the Spirit. And here's the thing. On this side of the cross, we're working on that. And it's okay. God gives plenty of grace. Where there's 
His grace is, is sufficient for us, amen? Because where we are weak, his power is manifested, man, and that's powerful. So don't get hung up on, well, I'm not there yet. No kidding. Nobody is except Jesus. And he gave, him, he gave you and I and anyone else who believes his life. And he says, man, that's the abundant life. That's all I want you to know. I want you to live from that life. And that brings me to my next slide here. As we abide in him, we, are, we have eternal life. So let me ask you a quick question here. What is eternal life? Don't look at the top of the slide. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> What's eternal life? Anybody, what, what does that mean to you? Life in Christ. Life forever, right? Salvation. Okay, let me ask you another question. Who in the universe is the only one who has that life? Jesus. So think of it this way. I know this is a little bit of a mind shift, but eternal life is his life. The moment you and I receive his life, we have eternal life. This little picture, this slide shows that Jesus from eternal, eternity past to eternity future, I know that's hard to understand, but it's, he just entered time for a little bit. Time is just a fragment of eternity. Jesus entered it, was born, lived to be about 33, whatever, died, was buried, rose again, and now he's at the right hand of God. His life is eternal life. Can you pull up the next slide? This is what I mean by that. Eternal life is not something that begins when we become Christian. It is something we enter and of which we become a partaker at the moment of salvation. It is receiving a new life altogether, Christ's life. That's eternal life. So when I say, when Scripture says, if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life, that simply means ask the Holy Spirit and you will let his life come through you into something else, into someone else's life. And he, will pro he promises to do that. So that's the third benefit. Now the last part I want to share as I conclude here is sharing uh, Christmas together with each of you and with one another. Because of what Jesus has done, we can share Christmas together in a powerful way based on what I was just saying. Does that make sense? That changes Christmas, hopefully, for, for uh, at least in my mind. Like, man, if I understand who I am in Christ, that changes things, man. It's going to be a lot different. And even if I fail and I blow it, I still am loved and forgiven. Uh, and it's, it's awesome. And some of us, by the way... Uh, during Christmas, I, I want to say this, and I said this last night too, um, it, it's a time where, where because it's been so difficult for us, maybe with some of the past things, and we're going over to Uncle Harvey's house or Aunt Jane's house and all the stuff, you know what I'm talking about, and people that are hard to be with, some of it, we need to, we need to forgive people. And I just want to throw that out uh, and, and just briefly say that to you guys and to myself, because otherwise, we're going to be tormented. If we don't forgive, we're going to carry the anger and the bitterness and we're going to be frustrated with Uncle Harvey as he opens his mouth and eats with his mouth open at Christmas or whatever the heck it is or even a lot worse, right? There's been abuse. There's been things done to you by certain people. Husbands have hurt you. Wives have hurt you. People have hurt us. That's why Christmas can be such a drag sometimes, man, because we're going, doggone it, that guy hurt, hurt me. That woman hurt me. And then we start replaying all those slides in our head, and it, the enemy will come in, and he will ruin your day if you let him. But we can stop it and say, no, I choose to forgive. Matthew 18, there's a beautiful story in there. I don't have time to tell you the whole thing. But Peter basically, you know the story. He comes to Jesus and says, hey, how many times i got to forgive my brother in a single day? Seven times? 
And remember what Jesus said? Seven times 70. Was he, was he saying you have to do it 490 times? Then 491, you're free, man. You can just not forgive. No, you know what he meant? It's going to be all the time, man. Here's why. Because if you choose not to forgive, which is your choice, you will be tormented. Because that story talks about a guy who owed a master so much money he couldn't pay it back. The master said, all right, then I'll sell you, your wife, your kids, your house. I'll take all of it. And he fell at his feet and said, have mercy on me. I'll pay it back. And the, and the master, here's what it says. He felt three things, and these are key things to forgiveness. He felt compassion for that man. He released him of the debt, and then he verbally said, I forgive you. Now, forgiveness isn't just saying that somebody, whatever they did is okay, and man, we'll just brush that off and push it under the rug, and it's fine. No. What, pers- what people do to us, and it hurts us, it's wrong, and God knows that. The point of forgiveness is we don't have to carry that weight anymore. We can give it to God, right? We can release it. We can release the debt, and we, we may not have to go to that person. It's rare to go to the person and say, I forgive you unless you're married or whatever, you know, I mean, you're with people all the time that you got to forget. But what I'm talking about is what happens if somebody died? What happens if I'm talking about an aunt or an uncle or somebody that hurt me that is dead? This is between us and God. And remember this, just because you forgive them doesn't mean their behavior may necessarily change. That's up, uh, that's up to God to change them. And you can be released of all that, man. And you can celebrate Christmas in a way that says, I love you, Jesus. Thank you for what you've done for me. And I can love these people. And I can forgive them. That doesn't mean, again, I was talking with Angela about this. That doesn't necessarily mean that you uh, have to be around that person. You may have to have some serious boundaries, if not a necessary ending. But you can give that to the Lord, man. And be free of an unforgiving heart. Because what ended up happening to that dude in uh, in Matthew, he, he went out, he was forgiven, he went out and didn't forgive another guy, and the Bible says he was given over to the tormentors. Here's what I think Jesus is saying, man, if we don't forgive, we're tormented. You know what we're tormented with? Thoughts, negative stuff, bitterness, anger, frustration, anxiety. He wants us to be free. So that's just a little nut, little shell of something there for somebody, I don't know. Uh, but as I conclude here, I want to read you from First Peter chapter 2. This is what God says about us as a family. Uh, And man, as I read this, I just want you to think about it and then hopefully thank the Lord of what he's done. Now, where is Peter? Here it is. I had it marked in my Bible and I can't find it. Uh, Here we go. Sorry. (laughs) I had it all marked. This is is 2 Peter. No, 1 Peter. Man, sorry. Verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Man, that's good news. For you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. So as we go into this Christmas season, remember who we are as a church, amen? We are, and there's a lot more than this, a royal priesthood, a chosen race, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. As we recognize this and receive it, here's the main point. We can proclaim that excellencies of God, those truths, to those around us and love them and watch what God does during Christmas. Watch what he does. We don't have to beat him over the head with a Bible. We simply have to love him. And let God do that work. If we are unforgiven, uh, or if we have unforgiveness, if we're frustrated, let God do that work in our heart and celebrate this Christmas 
in that freedom. So let me pray. Father, thank you oh, for your word, Lord. It's living. It's powerful. You love us. From, from the beginning of time, you are love, and you decided to share yourself with us. It's unbelievable. And that river of truth runs all through your Bible. I pray that each of us could receive that, who we are in Christ, so we can celebrate that with you and celebrate it with each other this Christmas and be free from the torments, from the frustrations, or whatever it is. Lord, bring healing to our marriages, bring healing to our relationships through your power as we, we simply choose to ask the Holy Spirit in us what to do and reap that life, that eternal life. And I pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, guys. Uh, I want to encourage you, if God spoke to you about something you need prayer for, we have, prayer, we have a, prayer team, a prayer team available, and anyone on staff, if you want to talk to somebody uh, about that, maybe there's something going on, we want to offer that every service. Uh, please take advantage of that. Uh, we will uh, dismiss, though, the service now, and please help yourself to the coffee bar or whatever, and we'll be around. We love you guys. Have a great week.